This is a Locker Room Production. And we are back again, episode 17 of Keeping It to Hondo. It is Friday, June 4th, 2021. Special shout out to anybody's birthdays out there this today. Special shout out to Roddy Reach for Late at Night to open up today's show. Uh, of course, last night Roddy Reach dropped uh, Midnight, brand new single. Of course, other people that dropped, uh, Little Baby, Little Dirk, The Voice of the Heroes, a uh, great album. It's definitely probably going to beat an album of the year, but Late at Night, definitely so far one of the best singles of the year. Now, here's how everything is going to go for Keeping It 200 before I get into WWE Monday Night Raw, NXT, and preview SmackDown and AEW tonight. There will be no NBA discussion for this show tonight. That will be on a separate show. I know there's a lot to talk about, which is why I have to just talk about Raw and NXT and SmackDown and AEW, because it's going to be a whirlwind, another hour of adding just the Lakers and talking about the Lakers losing in six. We had Portland go home in six as well. So it's going to be a lot of everything um, to get into. However, SmackDown is coming on in 28 minutes, whether you're on the East Coast or West Coast. Um, Matches for tonight, it's going to be Kevin Owens versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental Championship with Commander Aziz's band from ringside. We're also going to have on AEW tonight, I actually have the card right here for AEW. You've got Sting, Darby Allen in a segment. The Inner Circle will have a segment. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker celebrates her championship victory. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson take on QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo. Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Camarado in a bull rope match. Young Bucks versus Pocket El Zero Mero um, in a non-title tag team championship match. And Christian Cage and Jungle Boy take on Private Party. Um... It's not looking like a great card for AEW to me. It just looks like a card that they're pretty much just – this is just a card to me that's not like – last week's show was big. To me, I don't feel this show is a really big show tonight. There is two good things. You know, Britt Baker, you definitely want to see the championship celebration, and you definitely want to see the fallout of the inner circle. The rest, I, I don't know about this card. SmackDown, though, is definitely looking really good tonight. You've got the Usos. Getting a SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. Sorry, I forgot about that. Against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. And, of course, you got the Intercontinental Championship match. So you've got two matches promoted on SmackDown tonight. So, And they actually promoted both of these show, pro, pro, promoted both of these matches last week, which was actually something really different. So that's good. 
Um, however, let's go ahead and get into Monday Night Raw this week. It was a Memorial Day episode of Monday Night Raw. The show was built around Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre. For the main event, winner gets Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell. It was the basic same stuff that they do every week. Um, they announced the debut of Jimmy Smith as lead announcer replacing Adnan Vert. And before I get into Adnot, before I get on to the Jimmy um, Smith Adnot Vert situation, Jimmy Smith did go um, and talk to I think Ringside News or somebody like that, or I believe it was like Sporting News or something like that this week. And he was asked what he, you know, asked was he yelled at on commentary. And Jimmy Smith said that he was yelled at in Bellator all the time. He said that's not nothing different to him. He also said that, you know, he said that Vince McMahon did come into his ear and was, you know, giving him these, I guess, like, what would you use it as Vince for a bitch? Like, they're not fans. There are fans, our customers, etc. Michael Cole and Kevin Dunn were also in his ear. Uh, give credit to Jimmy Smith. Now, now I'm going to get into critiquing him. He actually did way better than Adnot Burt. He was smooth on commentary. He's he's got a sports announcer voice, which is what I think you do do need in WWE. Um, you know, but however, the bar for Adnan Vert was so very low that you could only go up. You know, and Jimmy Smith really didn't like to me the first hour. I thought he did fine. I did, you know, despite everything that happened, I thought he did really good in the first hour, and then in the second hour. Then it was Corey Graves doing play-by-play in color at the same time. You've got Byron Saxton giving play-by-play and such at the same time, you know. And then Jimmy Smith in the sec in just the second and third hours just started basically, you know, doing. He just started, you know. He knew a very few moves, but he would just hit with the "Oh my God!" Not like Joey Styles and something was big and a trademark but as a cover for not knowing the move is like it's it's like Vince McMahon's what a maneuver then the Japan moves and styles came to the U.S. with younger wrestlers in the 90s and Vince didn't care enough to keep up with it and eventually just decided to let Jim Ross handle it and left the table to then yell in Jim Ross's ear and of course if you ever want to hear what Vince is like on commentary just go watch Grilling JR because he always you know he's always getting a question about that weekly so um, so, so that was, so that was pretty much what I thought to me, here's my thing about Jimmy Smith in three weeks, either he's going to be better or he's going to be crap, you know? And to me, what's best in that company is being Michael Cole. If to me, I would just study Michael Cole. You can't study Jim Ross because it's not going to work and you're not going to be able to study anybody else, you know, because Vic Joseph, I wouldn't use an example because he didn't make it as a raw lead announcer, but for less than a year, Tom Phillips, you know, I guess Vince got bored with him. Um, so I would just use Michael Cole as the measuring stick of being a announcer in WWE play by play. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not going to bury the man. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a lot of that to him because Jimmy Smith, that was his first week. He did look good to me, and he sounded good, and that's all that kind of matters at the end of the day. Um, but we'll see in week three if he's making it, and we'll see in two months if he's fired or not. 
if he if he doesn't make it after two months, then we know he wasn't Vince's cup of tea. So, anyways, the first segment of the show went way too long. Had to cut a lot during the show because they wanted a long they wanted the long main event, which they got. But for WWE main event, if anybody watches that show, um, Mansoor beat Drew Gulak and a surprise to a small degree, but it tells you um, where Jeff Hardy stands out right now because Jeff Hardy um, put um, lost to Mustafa Ali with a Koji clutch. Again, not really surprising where they kind of done with Jeff Hardy over the last year, but Ali won. Um, so just fun little stuff right there. Didn't know if anybody would care about main event. You know, I will say, though, that the Mustafa Ali – Ricochet matches I've not seen on main event. I do need to go check them out, but that'll be another episode for another time. However, Raw opened with Miz and Morrison out from Miz TV. Miz did acknowledge he had a knee injury, um, but he didn't say if it was an ACL tear or not. He just said that he had a knee injury. Um, I'll tell you what, for a guy that got ate by zombies two weeks ago, he looks perfectly fine. He didn't have nothing on him. John Morrison had a... You know, he he had garlic all over his neck because he was afraid that Miz was turning in. Because I guess John Morrison's credit, he thought that the necklace of garlic would stop him from being a zombie. And he said it keeps away vampires, mummies, and aliens and flight attendants away from him. I don't know what flight attendants have to do with anything, seeing that they're not even back on the road yet. So, great. Um, So, you know... Charlotte Flair had to come out, and Charlotte Flair had to sell the bad smell of garlic. Rhea Ripley came out. Uh, you know, this this was just a way too long segment. This really was like, this was like a 15-minute segment, but it felt like 30 minutes. This really didn't get the job anywhere near. The job really was just, you know, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley were having a choice of words, and I guess, you know, Rhea Ripley said that she could have beat Nikki Cross if Nikki Cross... If the clock had four minutes, Charlotte Flair said I can beat Nikki Cross in one minute. And yes, Nikki Cross came out. And then we had a beat the clock challenge for two minutes, despite the fact Charlotte Flair said that she could beat Nikki Cross in a minute. So, which is fine, but they they should have just made it for the one minute. However, the first minute, Nikki Cross is literally running away from Charlotte. And in the minute to 30 seconds, Charlotte Flair did have 30 seconds of offense. And Charlotte did look like she was trying to get a figure four leg lock or a figure eight. Didn't matter because Nikki Cross survived. She won the beak to clock challenge in two minutes with no offense, just basically running away and hiding behind Rhea Ripley, dancing, and then afterwards danced and celebrated on the ring stage like she had just won a championship match or a number one contenders match. It didn't really go anywhere with me and, to to me, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, both these women are not being booked right, and they're both losers in booking. I'm not going to say that. The reason I'm not is because these are – they're beat-the-clock challenges, and if you watch the show or even watch the highlights on YouTube, Nikki Cross didn't look like a winner, and she's literally escaped two weeks in a row. And it doesn't even matter who walks out of hell in a cell because we all know Nikki Cross is not going to – win the women's championship. She might though if, with the ray with the way raw ratings have been, but I doubt that. Um 
and that's to me to me that was just to, to me that it doesn't really matter because you know it really just kills the mystique of this match because no one really wants to see Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. But to me, these women are actually going to have a good match at Hell in a Cell. This, it's just the storyline is just terrible. It's storylines ass backwards and it's terrible. And it, it's it's one of these storylines where it makes you think, well, how do WWE writers even get sleep at night? Because they're not even thinking with this. Backstage, Riddle was backstage. He went. Um, Damian Priest to teach him some Spanish. Because they were going to Texas for the live events next month. Priest taught him a few phrases, which I guess gets him on TV while they figure out what to do with Damian Priest. That doesn't involve The Miz, who is injured and can't wrestle. Or John Morrison, who wears a necklace of garlic and hates flight attendants. Randy Orton showed up. Riddle figured Orton would be mad about him using the RKO last week on Xavier Woods. But Randy Orton said that he was actually proud of him. And he liked it. He said that he and Xavier Woods had a hell of a match last week. And that Riddle impressed him. He invited Riddle to come to ringside to watch his match versus Xavier Woods. Riddle was all excited. And then Orton asked him. Um, but Orton got tired of him talking. So Riddle did the motions like Randy Orton threw away a key right behind his back. And Riddle literally had to go look for it. It was funny, but it it came off very stupid. Like if if you're a fan of Randy Orton, because for one, Randy Orton's literally having to be in this gum comedy gimmick. But it was funny on Riddle's part because Riddle actually did make the segment pretty funny. So so it actually was pretty pretty funny. I, I will give them credit there. And then we had Reginald versus Shayna Baszler. This is probably where Jimmy Best was best on commentary this entire match. Reginald beat Shayna Baszler in 4 minutes, 13 seconds. Reginald did do some flipping around to avoid Shayna Baszler's offense. He did hit a body slam. This is actually the first time I've actually, in I think over a decade, maybe even more, uh, the James Ellsworth-Becky Lynch, I know James Ellsworth got like one super kick on Becky Lynch like in like 2018, but this match here was like Reginald actually got a lot of offense on Shayna Baszler. And to me, it actually was different. You know, I'd still like this match. I, I did. Um, you know, how, however, you know, it the finish is what I did not like because Shayna Baszler had Reginald. She was getting ready to choke him out. And then she got distracted because some pyro hit on the lighting, which made Reginald fall down and sell it. And Shayna Baszler fell down, too. So both of them fell down. And then Reginald pinned Shayna Baszler with a cradle because the roll-up is the most dangerous finish in pro wrestling today. It it's always is. And, you know, so so later on in this show, and I'm just going to go ahead and save myself some time, Reginald was then invited to Alexa's playground. This was like in the third hour of Raw where Reginald... Um, was getting ready to talk, and then Shayna Baszler beat him up. And Shayna Baszler said that next week, her and Alexa Bliss were going to have a chat, despite the fact they were actually having one. And then uh, Shayna Baszler called Alexa Bliss's doll Lily stupid. So, um, okay. It didn't really mean anything. McIntyre did an interview. He said he used to be like Kofi Kingston, a guy that who wants to put his wants and needs in front of his own. 
this really came off like a heel promo for Drew McIntyre. This this was like all heelish promo Drew McIntyre for some reason. I don't know why. Um, he was saying how Kofi Kingston, the reason Kofi Kingston is not a WWE champion right now is because he has kids and a wife. And Drew McIntyre says that he doesn't have kids and a wife, even though he actually is married, but tried to play it off like he wasn't. And then he also said that one day when Drew McIntyre has a son, he wants to tell his son how he beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes at WrestleMania, something Kofi could not do. So, eh. Um, but it came off very heelish for Drew McIntyre. Very heel promo. Um, T-Bar and Mace beat Lince Dorado and Grand Metal League in two minutes and 47 seconds. T-Bar and Mace just cut a horrible promo like it was WWF superstars of the 80s or 90s. Um, wasn't nothing to really talk about. Um, then of course we had Sheamus, he did an interview and couldn't wait for WWE to get back on the road so he could defend his title, despite the fact that he doesn't defend his title. He talked about Carrillo and Ricochet who beat him down in a two-on-one last week. Uh, I guess Mansoor is already out of this program, but he's still not been relegated to 24-7 duty and he is winning on main events. So that, so that is good things, but it's not like they doing anything with Mansoor. Um, he said that he would face both of them, but not at the same time, one after the other, and dared one of them to be out first. So Ricochet came out, Sheamus beat him down, had him set up for white noise when Carrillo's music hit, and then Ricochet pinned him with a roll-up because roll-ups are the most dangerous finish in pro wrestling today. I feel like I'm going to be like saying this like every week for reviews now, a roll-up pin, which is stupid. Then we had Carrillo, Sheamus. Uh, Creo beat Sheamus in 457 with, you guessed it, a roll-up. And then, but this match was actually a little different because Creo actually, I guess, like, I guess Sheamus took like a, I don't know if his nose was broken or not, but Sheamus's nose was all bleeding really bad. And, you know, it was bleeding bad on his chest to where you could see it. The ref didn't stop the match or nothing to like clean up the blood or nothing, but it was, it was definitely something, um, the finish just came with um, with Ricochet distracting Sheamus so Carrillo could get the roll-up. Um, we had an Eva Marie vignette. Um, I actually liked it. I actually did like this one. Her last two vignettes I've actually liked because they look like they're workout videos, but they're also like doing stuff in the ring and stuff, so I actually do like that. So good, good last two vignettes for Eva Marie. Nothing else to say. Uh, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose um, defeated Lana and Naomi in 342. This was Lana or CJ Perry's last match ever in WWE. Match wasn't good at all. It was literally three minutes of gymnastics and just 40 seconds of wrestling. And um, Dana Brooke and Lana, after a net breaker off the top rope, that this looked very practice, but they... Like, it didn't look great, but it was a win. It was better than the main event match that they had, from what I was told by people. But nothing special. Natalia and Tamina were on commentary. And Natalia and Tamina, I guess, are going to face Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. So um, They also showed Bad Bunny doing an interview with LeBron James on HBO's The Shop, where he was talking about how much he loved wrestling and said doing WrestleMania was the best moment in his life. He said bigger than performing at the Super Bowl or winning a Grammy. Needless to say, everyone in WWE loves him. Needless to say, 
a lot of wrestlers outside of WWE loved Bad Bunny because Bad Bunny actually took wrestling seriously. He showed up. He did the work. And he put over WWE harder than probably anyone's going to be able to, especially to guys like LeBron James and Jay-Z, who was also there. However, I, I will say this here, though. I wouldn't have said that winning a uh, – that performing at WrestleMania was bigger than winning a Grammy in front of Jay-Z because I, I don't know if that came off good to Jay-Z. So Cedric Alexander Shelton Benjamin was 29 seconds. Here's how the match went. I'm going to go ahead and save everybody some time. Instead of the 11-minute match that we got last week, we just cut the promo from Cedric. We cut 11 minutes out, and we just did the finish immediately with the eye poke and a neuralizer kick. And, yeah, it was just the same finish from last week, except we just went to the finish. Um, and then a lot of matches were was going short because the first segment went so long, um, which I don't understand why they want Miz and Morrison to have 15 minutes, because that was go-away heat. Um, so then we had Elias trying to give Jackson... Riker a prep talk while Riker was in a trance paying attention for no reason. Elias said that he was thrown into an LED board and could have been electrocuted. Riker doesn't give a damn until Elias says, have you ever been in battle? And then Jackson Riker said, I served in Iraq and left. So we're going to have to make Jackson Riker a babyface because he's not going to be well liked by fans next month anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. I guess it really doesn't. Um, Kofi Kingston did an interview he said everyone knows what happened with him and Lesnar and if you blinked you missed it <laughs> that's, that's a pretty cute line but he said that having a family and friends is the inspiration and McIntyre was wrong and then he said McIntyre took a cheap shot at him and so he took a cheap shot back he said that McIntyre has been battling Lashley for three months and it feels like three years and still hasn't beaten him and he beat Lashley in his first try Okay, uh, didn't really like the promo, but, but you know, I would have took a better jab at Drew, because technically speaking, Drew, it, Kofi Kingston actually could have cut a way better promo, because he did beat Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship 10 years ago, so, um, and could have said, like, I caused Drew McIntyre to go from being, you know, the chosen one to being a guy that wasn't even on TV, could have did that. AJ Styles and almost. Defeated Jackson Riker and Elias in three minutes and 43 seconds. Match felt like seven minutes for some reason. Really wasn't a good match. Um, it was just good with the ending of almost coming in. And I, I hate I hate AJ Styles matches and stuff like that now. Um, because the reason I just do is because, you know, AJ Styles has to take all the heat. And Elias and Riker are not good at, like, getting the heat. And almost, you know, comes in and just does everything. And that's just how it's going to be. Um, but, of course, AJ did get the win with the Phenomenal Forearm, so that's good. So, I guess Riker's a babyface now because Elias left him and didn't help him at all. Which is fine. It's whatever. Um, and then Elias, you know, was interviewed by Kevin Patrick. And he, t and he told... Kevin Patrick that look here, he said, um, Riker is a unpredictable guy that worries me. He said that he did not want to be going town to town with him in a car and that he, and that Riker made him sick. So, okay. Um, it's fine. 
Um, I, I, if, if WWE thinks they're getting Jackson Riker up as a babyface, it's not going to work. It really won't. It's not going to make fans happy. So don't worry. It's it's not going to go far. Um, because Jackson Riker will probably be on main event literally in two months or less. So the Viking Raiders were with Mansoor. They talked about going back on the road because we have to promote this stuff. And then, of course, you know, after the Viking Raiders left Mansoor, then Mustafa Ali came. Mustafa Ali said, you shouldn't trust anyone. And then Mansoor said, well, why should I trust you? And Ali said, now you're getting it. So I guess we're going to maybe get something with Ali and Mansoor. Maybe. MVP and Lashley did a promo. Lashley was mad that McIntyre, in his comparison, brought up a guy who doesn't even work for the company. Wonder if that was a hint for Lashley, Lesnar, for a big SummerSlam match. Might be, might not be. But if that's the case, Lashley has to beat McIntyre at Hell in the Cell to, in order to get that way. Um, and then, and of course, we had the main event match. It was Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre. This went 22 minutes, 38 seconds. Very good stuff, actually. It was actually a very good match. Given four stars by Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Is Over newsletter this week. So, actually not bad for a Raw main event. They actually got a, a good star rating and everything like that. And... Great match. McIntyre was throwing Kofi Kingston around. Kofi Kingston went for a dive off the post, but McIntyre caught him and threw him over the barricade. Kingston did a sunset flip powerbomb off the ropes for a near fall. Kofi did a middle rope drop kick for a near fall. McIntyre did an amazing future shock DDT where he spun Kingston around before planting him. Really, this move was amazing, and th- it should be the new finisher with the Claymore as a setup because if done over and over, the place will get used to going nuts for that. So just just something of my two cents. The problem is uh, I don't know if this move can work as well with a big guy. So that's why that's why it probably won't be. McIntyre ended up um, cut from his right eye. That, um, and then, of course, McIntyre did the Roman chair sit up into a belly-to-belly suplex spot. Kofi Kingston finally hit a trouble in paradise. But McIntyre got his hands on the ropes Kingston did a double foot stop off the apron. He went to the top rope and was looking to jump off, but McIntyre caught him with a Claiborne kick out of nowhere. And the show ended with McIntyre winning. Kofi Kingston and McIntyre shaking hands, and then Bobby Lashley came out and posed with the WWE Championship. For NXT, this show here was weird as hell the first hour. I felt like second hour, they actually got into wrestling, but the first hour was weird. We went to commercial breaks out of nowhere. We would, for example, for example, this is how a commercial break would go. We would, when WWE goes to commercial breaks, they always have to do a high-flying spot. So that way, when you go to commercial break, you come back, you're like, okay, well, hey, you know, like, like the, basically the gist is if, they, if, if you see a high-flying spot before the commercial, you're going to want to come back to the TV to watch it. Which is a good concept. However, here's the problem. It doesn't work because literally when you come back from the commercial, you're literally seeing someone in a fucking chin lock and you don't even know what the fuck's going on. So it was weird. Then we also had, you know, people would cut an interview or something. And they get interrupted and we go to commercial. You have someone's music hit, they go to commercial. It's It was the weirdest thing to me. You had too many 
interferences. You had too many distractions. You had too much. It was just too much bullshit in the first hour. So let's get into this here. It was NXT Tuesday night. It opened with Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne in a three-way for the NXT Championship title match versus Karrion Cross. It was actually an excellent match. Um, however, the finish is what made me not want to give this a star rating because it was bullshit with this. With this. Um, and we don't really need to go into the spots because here's here's the here was just the finish. Um, we have literally Gargano had done in a Gargano escape, but Dunn did the broken finger spot to break it. Dunn hit the bitter end on Gargano, but O'Reilly came off the top rope with a bombs away um, double knees to Dunn as he went for the pin. Then Adam Cole showed up, hit Kyle O'Reilly, hit Dunn with chair shots through a chair at Gargano's head. Cole gave Dunn a brain buster on the outside. O'Reilly got a shining wizard from him. Gargano got hit with the last shot. This match was supposed to be no DQ because it's a three-way, but it ended via no contest. Anyway, since Cole interfered, which is a disqualification. So we had to have William Regal come out and was furious. Cole then super kicked Riley one last time. We go to commercial. We come back. Kyle uh, Adam Cole's getting kicked out the building by security because there's only two security members, by the way. Here's what I don't understand about WWE. You can be a $4 billion company and your security team has to be the worst security team of all time. Which makes zero sense. So, of course, he's going to later return because there's no security in that place. That should just be obvious. Ember Moon then enters the ring as Adam Cole's getting kicked out. She challenges Raquel Gonzalez based on what Gonzalez did to Shotzi Blackheart last week. Um, I also thought it was actually going to be a tag team match between Raquel and um, Dakota versus Ember and Shotzi at the takeover. But I was wrong. Um, Moon said that she would hold this show hostage. I really hate that line because every time someone says that, they never hold the show hostage. And of course, Raquel Gonzalez came out, was literally getting ready to um, fight Dakota Kai till William Regal and security stopped her. Then, of course, you know, Gonzalez did get did try to fight Amber, and then Amber, you know, didn't let her get no offense in. And then, as Raquel was getting ready to leave, Dakota Kai came from behind hit Ember in the ring and beat her up. Um, and then, of course, we go to another commercial break, and then we have Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde doing an interview. And then, of course, we get back. It's L.A. night, and they go to another commercial, and it's just like, what the hell is going on with the commercials? They they were doing everything weird in this. Um, L.A. night called Jake Atlas a cross-eye half-wit and said Ted DiBiase was in the back. And then we get – and before the match starts, after they come back from commercial, we have Drake Maverick was showing up to the building um, with Ever-Rise in the parking lot. Hit Row showed up. They exchanged some words, you know, and then Isaiah – and then, of course, I guess – I thought we were going to get, like, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane versus Isaiah Swerve Scott and one other member of Hit Row. But that match didn't happen because I guess they didn't have time for it. So we're going to get the match next week. It's going to be – Isaiah Scott versus Killian Dane. I don't know why that we had to do that, though. So, anyways, though, we had Jake Atlas. He beat L.A. Knight on the first day of Pride Month. 
congrats to Jake Atlas. In 1239, however, if if you think if you think this got somewhere and you think Jake Atlas is going to get a push, you're very, very mistaken because this was actually the worst of anything because Jake Atlas did hit a cartwheel DDT for the pin, but let me tell you this here. The match was not good. Weird commercial breaks. Ted DiBiase came out before the first commercial break and then just stood on the ring, like, just stood right there at the ringside for, like, five minutes after they came back to commercial. Jake Atlas literally didn't have any offense in this match at times. Jake Atlas was not the focal point of this match at times. When Jake Atlas won, the camera only focused on Cameron Grimes talking to Ted DiBiase L.A. Knight, who looked like he was about, who looked like his eye popped a blood vessel, I believe, because they showed it and then they like cut away from it a little bit, and then, so this really didn't. So Jake Atlas was not the star of this. He he was not. Um, I don't understand why L.A. Knight had to lose this match to, because the point of this was to impress Ted DiBiase and Cameron Grimes who last week Ted DiBiase really didn't even want to talk to, now is, like, listening to Cameron Grimes, so that was weird. So then, of course, Ted DiBiase is about to cut a promo with McKenzie Mitchell backstage, and then they go to, to another commercial, and before they go to commercial, they had Adam Cole just interrupt and just come back out with, out of nowhere. So then there was a backstage clip showing O'Reilly, Dunn, and Gargano all injured in the training room. Oni Lorkin said to cut the camera and said if it wasn't for Adam Cole that Dunn would have won. Austin Theory then showed up and said, hey, if it wasn't for Cole, Gargano would have won, so those two tried to start fighting. They're going to have a match next week on NXT as well. It'll either be a great match or it's going to be a terrible match. That's all I can say, because Oni Lorcan's a really good wrestler, and Austin Theory, with the right worker, can have a great match. Let me get a drink of water here, because this has just been weird. All right, back now. So then, now we got to the finally the best part of the show, and then this is where I felt like the show might start taking off to the to the right level. Cole did a great promo, said two years to this day he became NXT champion, held it for 408 days. He said he was the number one. He said he was a real number one contender. He said he was gone for two months and watched everyone try to live up to his uh, legacy. Surprise, surprise, everyone failed. He challenged Cross for the title. Cole did a total Shawn Michaels promo. It was like Michaels challenging himself and told Cole to say everything he used to say. He called Karrion Cross an overrated musclehead who doesn't deserve to be in the same ring with him. Cross and Scarlett came out. Cross said that as soon as he signed with NXT, Cole was no longer special, and he knows that. Cole said the brand did everything to make you feel special. Gave you the girl, the music, and the fog, and on your best day, you couldn't lace my boots. Cole said that Cross couldn't hang with him and isn't on his level, and anyone who watches pro wrestling knows that. So William Regal came out and said he knows Cole is doing, and he says he's not going to work. Cross then told Regal to shut up and said he's the champion, and he wanted every one in the match. He wanted a fatal five-way. So at TakeOver... It's going to be Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano versus Karrion Cross for Cross's NXT Championship, which, in my opinion, will be a phenomenal PWG-type match. This match will actually be awesome. I-, I can't see 
if this match to me, if it's not four and two quarters or better, it's a failure as a match. That's how great this match is. Because it's it's literally to me though, I'm surprised by this here because I'm surprised WWE especially NXT is giving away a match like this here so early. This to me it needs to me a five way for the title, which is great, deserves more more build. I think I wish that they may have did just like two months and wait to the next takeover to give us the five way, but they want to go ahead and do it and the only thing I don't like is you're kind of killing four challengers at once, so you know, but but I but hey, I'm not gonna complain about it too much. I could say a lot of things, but I'm not going to. So I'm proud of it. Great decision. Candace Way and Indy Hartwell did an interview and then Miss Kenzie Mitchell asked like like she said, Are you excited about Poppy returning to NXT next week? Poppy, if you guys don't know, is the WWE NXT singer for takeovers. Next week is not TakeOver on Tuesday. TakeOver's next Sunday. So I don't know why Poppy's there. Candice Ray did make a funny comment saying, is Poppy trying to become the next Bad Bunny? <laughs> so <laughs> I actually like that. Andy Hartwell had to pretend to be sad and was listening to 80s love songs. And um, yeah, so then Dexter Loomis came after Andy Hartwell and Candice left. He put on the headphones and the fakest tear of all time. Someone literally put a like drop of water on his cheek and made it look like he was crying. So, and then of course we have to have Beth Phoenix say that it's the greatest romance since Romeo and Juliet and everything. And even Wade Barrett gets insulted and even I get insulted. And this is, and I really like Beth Phoenix, but that shit I'm not a fan of. So, um, we had Kushida, uh, retain his cruiserweight championship over Carmelo Hayes, which is the new name for Christian Castanova. Um, I've really never heard of Christian Castanova. His pro- Carmelo Hayes' promo, or Christian's promo, whatever you want to call him, uh, the promo that they gave him was very, very cheesy, and I thought he was a heel at first. He actually did have some good spots in this match, but it really wasn't nothing to really go home about. 10 minutes and 58 seconds, they got, and Kushida won with a submission with his um, running kick and the hoverboard lock. MSK did a promo. They are trying to be the young punk rock babyface tag team, and it works in the ring. But the promos, no, they don't work. In, in fact, in fact, if you're like watching TV like I was, you really were just like putting your phone down to just you really put your phone up to your face and just was like checking to see what's going on on social media. Um, then we had Candice Ray and Indy Hartwell. They actually got a nice nameplate for their way thing, which I did like about that, but I didn't like anything else about this match because it, they went three minutes and 37 seconds. They beat Zoe Stark and Zeta Ramir when Hartwell pinned Ramir with a springboard elbow. There's nothing to really write home about on that one either. The one thing they did promote in this tonight, though, on the NXT show Tuesday was Mercedes Martinez. I thought she was going up against a thousand year old woman. But she's just going to go up against Zia Lee at TakeOver. So here's what I did like about this here. Zia Lee cut a promo earlier in the show. She talked about the May Young Classic was four years ago and Mercedes Martinez was her first opponent. Great stuff right there. They 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 gave you a base setting of why Zia Lee wants to beat up Mercedes Martinez and wants to get her revenge. Mercedes Martinez then cuts a 
interview late in the show says that she understands Zia Lee's not the same woman from four years ago and says Zia Lee's just in her way from for her to get back at the NXT Women's Championship. And it was a good promo. I liked it. Good promos, good settings, good everything. Um, and the, and sometimes it just takes simple stories. That's all it takes. We also had a Diamond Mine vignette. It's coming. It's looks, it looks all MMA-like, so I don't understand what's going on with that. Um, I don't know who it could be. Um, Ember Moon talked about getting revenge on Dakota Kai next week and said she was going to take the title from um, Raquel Gonzalez at TakeOver. So the TakeOver matches they've now announced is the five-way Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee. We've also got LA Knight versus Cameron Grimes. I guess the winner is going to be Ted DiBiase's. I guess the winner gets managed by Ted DiBiase, which just sounds terrible. Should be a really good match on paper, believe it or not. I, I actually got faith in that match. And uh, I, I guess that's pretty much it. I guess I guess we're going to get, like, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher versus Grizzled Young Veterans that take over as well. Because they did interfere in the main event where MSK beat Rollo Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships in 1524. Um, because at one point they did come in. But it really was a really good, fast-moving, good match. And I really liked the match. Um, you know, even even when they went to commercial with a high-flying spot and came back with with Legato Del Fantasma's Joaquin Wilde and Rollo Mendoza having the heat, Rollo Mendoza did have to wear a Dark Knight-like mask because Rollo Mendoza actually has a broken nose. Um, finish, though, came with Escobar threw um, Wesley into the ring after throwing him into the steps. Mendoza and Wild did a double-team Russian leg sweep finisher. I honestly thought they were going to win the championships. Nash Carter made the save literally in the millisecond. That's right, I said millisecond. Or, sorry, millisecond. There we go. Bronson Reed came out, squashed Escobar into the barricade, looked awesome. MSK won with the combination heart attack blockbuster on Wild, which is also called their finisher, MSK. So... Someone also did not know what MSK meant. It means must-see kids. There you go. And that was it for the two shows this week. I can't review SmackDown stuff because SmackDown is going on right now, and I can't review AEW because AEW does not come on till after 10. Um, like I've said before, um, I don't know if I'm going to be reviewing AEW tomorrow. SmackDown, yes. AEW, no. Because last week I did the two Friday shows because of the pay-per-view. This week, there's no AEW pay-per-view, so um, I don't know yet, though. However, I'm going to be back on Keeping It 200 again with another episode. Um, again, because uh, – and also, I am in the process of moving. So if the episodes are not to the best like abilities that I have or not up to par yet – just give me time for at least another week or two, and they're going to be back. Um, however, um, you know, I, I noticed a lot of people did like the new way that I did the WWE stuff and the NBA stuff differently. So hopefully I can keep that going and stuff. But, you know, I'm going to try and keep bringing out a podcast at least once a day. Hopefully I can. We still got NBA stuff to get into and everything like that. So that's all for the Keeping It 200 episode what what number was this now yeah episode 17 yeah so episode 17 of keeping it 200 is over with with the wwe shows this week and stuff 
We'll be back with episode 18 talking about the NBA and everything. Um, so that's all for keeping the 200. Thank you for watching. Um, if you catch us on Spotify to check out previous episodes in this one here. And we'll talk to you again soon. Peace.